This morning's scripture reading is from Matthew 10, 26 to 33. So then, have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thanks for the chance to get to worship together in so many different places this morning. The church is a special people, even if we can't be together in the same place. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10, so if you have a Bible on your shelf there at home, feel free to pull it out or pull it up on your phone, um, if you can do that, without turning off the Facebook Live, and uh, follow along as we go through this together. I was talking to a couple of our leaders this week and a couple of our elders about how this is really an unprecedented ministry experience for us. Um, as far as I know, as far as any of us could find out in the 76-year history of our church, we've never held worships, we've never canceled holding worship services. This is a new thing for us. So I'm really grateful for the technology that lets us be able to do this remotely. Talking to some of the leaders, we couldn't really even remember another time that there was something that felt like this. You know, with 9-11, or I grew up in Northern California, we had the 1989 earthquake. They tended to be major events, traumatic events, but they happened, and then we sort of picked up the pieces afterwards. This feels more like a hurricane or a tornado where we're waiting for the worst to happen. And in the midst of those waiting times, a lot of fear can come to the surface, can't it? And we've seen it all throughout uh, our community this week. We've seen the fear and the panic that comes up with people feeling like there's not going to be enough for them. And so people flock to Ralph's and Trader Joe's and CVS to get the last of the toilet paper or the last of the food. And beneath that is a fear that we will be left in want, that no one will take care of our needs at the end. Some of us are having a lot of fear about what if we cough on someone and get them sick? What if we're fine, but we transmit the virus to someone and they die? We've put on other people's mortality onto our own shoulders, and we wear the weight of that fear in our lives. Some of us have a lot of fears about our job or about the economy crashing. We're scared that our business might go under as a result of this, or our restaurant might close, that the thing that uh, is our livelihood might go away and might not be there at the end of this pandemic. Some of us have fears over being blamed uh, from racist people that it's our fault because of the color of our skin, our ethnic background, that we're the ones who are responsible for this. Some of us have a fear of fear itself. We're afraid of other people's fears, or we're afraid of what panic might induce in other people's lives. 
Or we've decided that we're unwilling to be afraid. We're, we're afraid of being afraid ourselves. And so we've acted flippantly or foolishly towards other people. And not an insignificant number of us are afraid of the virus. We're afraid of our own mortality and our own death. We're afraid of catching it. And we're afraid of what it might mean and whether there'll be medical care for us. We are in a week and a month of fear. So in our passage today, in Matthew 10, we're going to look at how Jesus prepared his disciples for a time of deep fear. In Matthew 10, Jesus has sent out the 12 disciples, and he is commissioning them and briefing them for what to expect. And he says, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. Can you imagine what a fearful situation, what a fearful metaphor that is, to be a sheep among a pack of wolves, to see your life flash before your eyes. And Jesus says, I'm going to help prepare you for how to respond and to find hope in a time of fear. Now, in this passage, Jesus is, the context is a little different because Jesus is helping the disciples prepare for how they're going to respond to proclaiming the gospel and the fear that might come with the rejection of people. And even, ultimately, for 11 of the disciples, uh, or for 10 of the 11 disciples, that lost their life as a result of that. They have good reason to be afraid. For us, that's not the fear that's in this moment. It's a different situation. But the response is the same of how we deal with fear. As, and Jesus' prescription is the same for us as it is for the original disciples. How do we respond in moments of fear? Let's get into it in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, Jesus says, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are of more value than sparrows. Here's really what I want you to hear. That you are seen and cared for by God. You are seen and cared for by God. Even as sparrows are seen and cared for by God, you are of so much more value to him than they are. And your fear needs to be held in the arms of a loving Father in heaven who cares for you and sees you. And what you believe about God is being tested this week. What you believe about how he sees you and how he cares for you is being put to a significant test in the time of fear. Have you ever tried to count sparrows, by the way? The passage says that Jesus see, in this passage, Jesus says that the Father sees and knows every sparrow. Have you ever tried to count birds as they float about? Or have you ever tried to tell them apart? A sparrow is a sparrow. Who knows? Who cares how many, people, how many sparrows there are? And sometimes we think that God sees us with that same sort of flippancy that we see the birds with. But Jesus says, no, no, I, I know that my Father sees you and cares for you. Sparrows were a source of food in Jesus' day. In fact, they were food for the poorest people in the marketplaces. Because when you look at a sparrow, you see how small they are, how they're, they're basically just bones and feathers. There's almost nothing there of value, almost nothing there of worth to eat. Maybe a couple bites, but nothing really worth attending to. And Jesus says, if, if God cares for something that insignificant, how much more does he care for you? Often we think of ourselves like sparrows. That we're unknown, unnoticed, unknown, uncounted, and invaluable. That we don't really matter. And sometimes our fears come to the surface, especially in times like this. 
We don't have a job, maybe you don't have a job to go to this week, or you don't have a school to go to, or you don't have hobbies where you can show your value. You don't have ways to tell people, look at me, I'm doing something meaningful. And our fears of insignificance can come to the surface. But Jesus says, oh, just because you are made in God's image, and because you're a follower of me, the Father sees you and cares for you. Before you do anything to earn his approval or earn his attention, he sees you. So fear not. You are more valuable than sparrows. You are seen by God, and God is in control, even of situations that feel like they're out of control. Even when it seems like wolves are going to attack you and kill you, you are still in the Father's hands. Even when it seems like a virus has run rampant over our culture, country, and world, it is in the Father's hands. God is in control of the sparrows, and he's in charge of your life as well. Theologians call this the providence of God, to say that nothing happens out of the control of God's hand. In Colossians 1, Paul says that Christ holds all things together. What an important picture for us to be reminded of this morning. Christ holds all things together. Yes, the sparrow does fall. The sparrow does die. And there are terrible things that are going to happen in the next year and the next however long we have to live. But Jesus tells his disciples, don't be afraid in those moments. For the Father sees you and he cares about you. So, in a time when we feel like we have so little control, how can we respond well to fear? How do we respond with hope in a time of fear? Well, the first thing we can control is we can control what we do with our anxieties. In 1 Peter 5, Peter says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You and I have a choice in these moments of fear of what to do with our anxieties. We may not have a choice of whether to be afraid or not. Fear is a pretty automatic response, and fear is often driven by the situation. But we do have a choice of what to do with those anxieties. Do we, are we setting them on God? Or are we holding them and clutching them to ourselves? And specifically, are we setting our minds on God? Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. I'm going to read that again because it's really important. You can control what you set your mind on. Isaiah 26.3, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Is your mind set on God? Or are you so focused on the things that you're afraid of that God has been crowded out and pushed out of your mindset this week? After all, there's a lot of reasons to be afraid. We talked about some at the start of the message. There's a lot of stimulations towards fear that maybe weren't there a couple weeks ago, or at least they weren't on the surface. But the coronavirus has brought to the surface for a lot of us fears that were always there. And it's an opportunity for you and for me to reset our minds on God. Because ultimately, you are not in trouble. No, no matter what happens out of this, you are not in trouble, and the kingdom of God is not in trouble. Jesus tells his disciples here in verse 26 that based on their circumstances, they may think that they're in trouble. They may think that things are bad. But ultimately, if you're in Christ, everything that really matters for eternity is secure. You are not in trouble and the kingdom of God is not in trouble. Jesus tells his disciples in verse 26 that they are to not have any fear of the things 
that the world seems to make fearful. And this is his reason. He says, Nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. What Jesus is saying is that when the gospel is shouted out, when the gospel is known, when the gospel is proclaimed, it pushes away the need to fear. You and I need to remind ourselves of the gospel afresh this week. We need to be reminded of the fact that our life is hidden in Christ. That God has made us, he sees us, he cares for us. And even though we've rebelled against God, we've pushed him away, all of us have gone our own way, that Jesus nonetheless has come to die the death that we deserve. And that as a result of his death, the Father raised him to new life again, and that all who believe in him can have eternal life with God. And because we have that hope of eternal life, we follow Jesus today, knowing that our eternity is secure. We need to be reminded of the gospel. As the Heidelberg Catechism reminds us, what is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but I belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and he has set me free from the power of the devil. As Justin Martyr, a second century theologian who ultimately would die for his faith, as Justin Martyr said, they may kill us, but they cannot hurt us. They may kill us, but they cannot hurt us. And if I can modify that for our situation this week, there may be real things to be afraid of, but they, can't, they cannot ultimately cause us harm that our Father has not secured and that the Son has not achieved. They may kill us, but they cannot hurt us. Jesus says something even more profound in verse 28 when he says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the body and soul in hell. We have a lot of fears this week about our situation, but Jesus reminds us that the fears of the things of this world are small compared to the reverential and joyful fear we have towards God, the one who loves us, who sees us, who provides for us, and who we worship this morning. Well, what do I want for you? I want you to have peace. I don't want you to have fear. But I, I want it to be based on not the ups and downs of this world, but based on the hope that we have in Christ. You know, the last thing I'd want you to take away from this message or from this morning is to think that you should have peace because, you know, maybe the virus isn't that bad or you're young and you're healthy or, you know, we've been through flus before. I'm sure this will be fine. Or, you know, I've got plenty of toilet paper, so whatever. Um, I don't want you to find peace in the world's things. I want you to find peace in knowing that you're secure in Christ. As Jesus says in John 14, 27, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus gives us peace because our eternity is secure in him. He gives us peace because the Father cares for us. And because of that peace, he equips you and me to serve him for an eternity and to serve him in times of great fear. You know, you may have heard before about how Christians in the first couple centuries of the church were uniquely willing to serve those who were sick and dying. In the first couple centuries of the church, there was a, a, a big plague, and Christians were unique in their willingness to stay with people who were sick and dying and minister to them 
while their neighbors and even their family members left them on their own to die. And after the plague had passed, a lot of those people who had come back to health ultimately became Christians because they remembered who their neighbors were in the times of hardship. And because of that, many of them choose, chose to follow Jesus. What will our neighbors remember about us as a church after this is over? Once this plague has passed, what will our neighbors remember of how we responded to them? Do we respond with selfishness or with selflessness? Do we respond with fear or with love? Do we respond looking out for our own interests alone or towards the interests of others? We have a great reason to be hopeful. We have a great hope in the midst of our fear. And we have a great Savior who has given up his own security for our, for our benefit. And as we follow him, we do the same for others. I want to end with a, a quote from Martin Luther. Luther, in, uh, in the 16th century, after the Reformation had already started, uh, there was a bubonic plague that had taken its route through Germany. And if there was ever someone who could kind of be forgiven for thinking that he was too important to lose, it'd be Martin Luther, right? He had started the whole Protestant Reformation. And yet Luther and his wife, uh, Katie, decided that it was their Christian obligation and Christian duty to care for the sick, even at their own peril. Now, I know this is a previous age, and you might think, well, he didn't know about germs. Maybe he didn't think he could catch it. Luther actually wrote some really profound stuff about this that shows a really deep understanding of contagion, which was really thoughtful for his time. Uh, so he knew that he was at risk of dying by caring for these people. But Luther said uh, that it was his responsibility as a Christian and his obedience to Christ not to live out of fear, but in order to serve his neighbor. He said, no one should dare leave his neighbor unless there are those others who will take care of the sick in their stead and nurse them. We must respect the word of Christ. I was sick and you did not visit me. From Matthew 25. According to this passage, we're bound to each other in such a way that no one may forsake the other in distress but is obliged to assist and help him as he himself would like to be helped. Our church in the midst of this is going to help you as you need help. If you're watching this and you're uh, scared and you'd like someone to pray with, we'd like to pray with you. If you're watching this and you're scared of going to the store or you're scared of going to the grocery store or you need help getting medicine, we want to help you with that. If you're lonely and you're watching this, you feel like you don't have a group of friends, you feel like you're isolated, um, we want to practice social distancing, but we don't want to practice social isolation. We want to help you find community in this time. I believe our church and the Christian churches around our country and around the world can be at our best through this. We can show the love of Jesus in practical and profound ways and not choose to live out of fear, but live out of the hope that we have in Christ. Let's pray. God, I am grateful for that which you have whispered in the darkness. May we shout it in the light. And in the midst of the darkness of our age, may we remember what you have said in the light. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are um, in the medical profession and who are responding to this on a daily basis in hospitals and in ambulances. I pray that you would protect them as they are courageous and serving others. God, I pray for my friends who are parents who are trying to think about how to talk to their kids about this. May you give them words of hope rather than fear. God, I pray for my friends who are watching this who are in the at-risk groups, either because of immune disorders or because of their age or pre-existing conditions. God, we pray your protection over them. May we show our honor for our fathers and mothers in the faith 
by the way that we honor the elderly among us. God, I pray for those of us um, who are annoyed by this, who feel like we're being inconvenienced. May you use this to remove ourselves from the center of the world and put put you on the throne rather than our own preferences and desires. Jesus, I pray that we would follow you as people of hope rather than people of fear. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.